Hello friends, family, regular and new listeners. Hmm, I am that haunting memory of embarrassment that your brain conjures up at some random hour and you experience that shame as if it just happened. I'm your host Ivor and you're listening to This Is Fine, a podcast that centers ideas, issues and information related to the different, the, the vast, the big spectrum of mental health from traumas to self-improvement in my effort to help people gain a little perspective, a little guidance, you know, if they need it. So, if you remember, last week I spoke about, you know, that, uh, the, the I don't want to do this right now feeling. Um, and um, it's not specifically like the podcast, but rather there's like this general feeling of like, okay, life, I just, I, I just don't want to do this right now. I know I have to, but I just really don't want to. You know, and I and I think it has to do with the changing seasons. I don't know if it's the same for you, um, but for me, a shift in mind also happens in the shift of seasons. I mean, we are we are all part of nature, right? So it makes sense that our moods reflect the changing times, the changing seasons. Just change. So over here in the northern hemisphere. The day gives way to chilly nights rather quickly. There's like a, a kind of bite in the air that always seems to trigger a jumble of feelings that I can't quite discern, identify, or like memories and stuff that it's not specific, but it does conjure up like feelings of nostalgia and a little bit of a sadness mixed in. You know, And that's a very like depressing sounding description. I'm aware of that. Um, hopefully that's not where this episode leads. But this feeling prompted me to create a little episode that is a continuation of last week's. So before I do that, um, I feel like mentioning that I've begun to realize that my language use around mental health and you can do it if you just try is... As idyllic, yes, but it's also ignorant. I've said before that I wouldn't speak on issues that I don't know or, or have some experience with. And I'm not in the business of like the dangerous practice of self-diagnosing things through, um, I don't know, Dr. Google. But a new friend I've made recently became privy to my work process and he said, like, wow, you're really focused and, and you must be really motivated. And I, like, instinctually, like, immediately said, no, <laughs> it just seems like it because, I don't know, well, maybe because I'm a good liar. But for, like, most of the time, it's really hard for me to sit down and do things. I mean, I have it in me to get lost in Internet tabs, you know, Explorer tabs or, what is it, Firefox? I think I use Firefox. And, um, or, or music playlist or, or things on YouTube. So that conversation was kind of the route to today's episode, you know, and then I was reminded of a, I guess, quote, I couldn't quite find in my memory and I had to do some digital digging and then I uncovered it in an inbo inbox that is just far too full. Anyway, I digress. So I found motivation or inspiration in one of the most valuable newsletters I've ever subscribed to. Not just because it's actually rated as such, but because, well, it really is extremely valuable and full of endless wisdom. 
So the following ideas are not my own. It is where I draw a lot of inspiration from. So earlier I mentioned uh, my friend saying that I'm really focused and motivated. Well, honey, <laughs> motivation is like taking a bath. I'm sure you've heard that quote before or maybe you haven't, but motivation is like taking a bath. You need to do it every day. So, and and that made me realize that there seems to be this idea that motivation is either something you have or you don't. Like, kind of like you, you own it <laughs> or you don't. Like, it's an external thing, like an external force. And, and, you know, I've realized that I think I may have probably also thought that way too, which is why that quote, like, motivation is like taking a bath. You need to do it every day, which is why it sticks out today for me. But to go further, to go a little bit deeper, the other side of that or where my mind goes is that it's, that quote seems to say that motivation comes from inside, something you have to conjure up every day. Like motivation is a habit as much as exercise is. But then I'm also aware that in the moments where I have like, I would call it low-grade depression, when she knocks on my door, I know that feeling of dread forming, like a little cloudiness, a little numbness that is, you know, that a, um, a shot of whiskey or a, a warm body can't chase away. People with depression can tell you that it's really not that easy, that once you're in that certain mindset, it sort of takes away any way for you to see how you can get out of it. So my point, though, is that motivation is a habit. And I'm speaking with the knowledge that um, some people do have mental health issues that don't allow them, that block them from seeing a different kind of perspective. And it's not their fault. It's, um, it's usually helped with medication or um, therapy or other practices. So the, the things I want to say is just prefaced by the fact that I know those things and that this is for people who are in that space to develop a, an understanding about motivation. So like I said, motivation is, is, is a habit. You know, I've recently be, been given like the all clear to exercise again. And oh, I cannot like describe to you the elation I felt. The doctor was laughing when I said, when I responded, I don't remember what I said. And um, that for me is like the easiest way that I can conjure up motivation at the risk of sounding like another broken, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, broken record, stuck record. That habit of consistency in exercise helps solidify other habits. So let's get into motivation um, that I get from a newsletter by James Clear. I've mentioned um, James Clear a couple of times on this podcast, and you're going to find out why why I revere this man so much. So I'm going to read to you a quote and hopefully that sparks something in your heart or your psyche. You know, maybe not like right now in this moment, but hopefully like your subconscious takes it in and you can apply it to your behavior or thought patterns in some way. You know, actually, I guess those two things, behavior and thought patterns are the same. But anyway, um, yeah, the point is that hopefully you can take it in, you, you, you sleep on it, you, you let your brain process and, and grow the idea into something that you can use to combat habits that are detrimental to your mental health. So, the first quote. 
The cardinal rule of behavior change. What gets rewarded gets repeated. What gets punished gets avoided. Don't reward behavior you don't want to see repeated. That was a bit of a long quote, so I'll read it again. The cardinal rule of behavior change. What gets rewarded gets repeated. What gets punished gets avoided. Don't reward behavior you don't want to see repeated. Now, I think we all like know this, like in the back of our minds, we all know this, but he just puts it in such a succinct manner. It punches through. And here's what I want to like, I want to flesh it out a little and ask you to take one, just one of your habits and see how you're rewarding it. So um, I, I don't think I want to use the word bad habit. I I'm inclined to, but I don't want to use the word bad, the adjective bad to describe habits because essentially a habit is something neutral, but because of the way that we've, we've like mental health or self-help over the past couple of decades have, have really framed habits. Um, I think it's also kind of dangerous when we immediately attach bad or good habits to something. So maybe if we approach them as such, as you know, we, we change the language a little bit. The ideas become more accessible to us. So we take one habit. And for me, I'm going to use exercise like I always do. Um, the simple act of, uh, I don't want to do this. But after I do it, remembering or knowing how good it feels. And, and yes, it, it, it's, it's within it. It's, it's the habit that has a reward cycle too. Because once I start it, I feel good. It's the dopamine hit and um, I feel great. But the real reward is for me, once a month, and I've never admitted to this, I go to Krispy Kreme across the road from my gym. I walk in there with like the nonsensical confidence of a cisgender, mediocre, straight, white male. And I say, hey girl, hey. I say, give me two peanut butter donuts and a hot Americano and hold the judgment, please. You know, and, and that's my reward. See, the interesting thing about that is that I don't usually crave donuts or that kind of combination of sugar and, and, and what is it, dough. <laughs> um, I don't crave that on the regular. You know, I'll see the sign, I'll walk past that Christmas green, red and white sign without a qualm in the world, like I don't care. It's just one day, just once a month, I say... You can have this intentional processed sugar, like because a lot of things we eat are yeah have sugar in that we don't are not aware of. I'm rewarding. Okay, let me just say that also. I know sugar isn't bad for you. It's just the amount of sugar that's bad for you. So anyway, I'm rewarding the habit of going to the gym. Rewarding that habit that I want to keep, you know, and that's the habit of me working out so that I can get back to being Iverlicious. Now, um. If I get into a mindset where I convince myself that working out is not necessary, because it's very easy to do that, um, I punish myself. I mean, this is actually something that I learned from an Englishman with a big d demeanor. And uh, he shared he shared with me that when he misses one day, he'll like, quote unquote, punish himself by doing like extra, like going extra hard or like double the time the next day. 
And it's a little masochist, but I do like a little lace and leather sometimes. And it works for me. So maybe there's something that you can um, find that you can create a clear reward and a clear punish for and stick to that. And uh, let's see if you can develop a habit that is helpful to your life, your mental health, or to the people around you. And um, I guess that bleeds into like the next nugget of wisdom or motivation that James Clear shares. He says that the bad days are more important than the good days. If you write or exercise or meditate or cook when you don't feel like it, then you maintain the habit. And if you maintain the habit, then all you need is time. I cannot begin to tell you how like true or how striking this was for me. For instance, my nighttime routine is listening to Maya Angelou or, or Alan Watts or Eckhart Tolle while I do some sort of stretching and meditation. You know, and it's become so ingrained in me that I feel a part of me missing when I do not do it. So in the spirit of nighttime routine, what do you do? So here's the thing. A couple of years back, again, something that I really don't want to admit, but I used to just lay on my back in my bed with my phone in my hand and Twitter or Instagram in my face until I fell asleep. What a horrible habit. Oh, just thinking about it makes me cringe. But I realize that I'm still prone to it because it's, after all, a habit that I formed. It's after all something that I rewarded myself with. So those like neural connections, they were formed and they will always be there. And how did I break it? I broke it by starting my nighttime routine and saying to myself, like every time I finished one, I'll just say just one more night. Then the next time it'll come around and I'll say just one more night. Now it's hard for me to go a night without it. It's like at least six times a week that I engage in this practice in some sort of way, whether it's 20 minutes one night or 10 minutes the next. It's just that I'm super scared that if I go without it, that I'll revert back to laying on my back with Twitter and Instagram or whatever else in my face. Yes, I can delete those apps off my phone, but honestly, nothing stops you from like reinstalling them again. Just anyone who's ever used Grindr will understand. All right, this brings me to the last piece of James Clear advice that I want to share, and I think it's really cool. So it reads, You can usually accomplish more by giving something your full effort for a few years rather than giving it a lukewarm effort for 50 years. Pick a priority for this season of your life and do it to the best of your ability. See, this one is like kind of what I want to leave up to you. For a while now, I've been sharing the idea that it's beneficial to pick a problem, especially in like the conversation about finding what it is you want to do with your life. James Clear puts it uh, as like pick a priority or what is your priority? So I use the word problem because I think problem requires an act of service to solve it or acts of service to people and acts of service to people is a great source of building your mental health. And it's also a great source of finding direction if you feel lost in any kind of way. I particularly like this um, part of his quote where he says, 
giving your full effort for a few years rather than lukewarm effort for 15 years, that really struck me because like it made me think of the word effort because we all give effort to do something. You can't do something without effort in some way, shape or form. Life is effort. Life requires effort. So I think you might as well try and choose where and what and how you spend your effort on. If you don't decide, then life and circumstance sort of decides for you. It's like I used to say, if you don't choose your life, life chooses for you. Now, uh, what did I... Oh, I saw that from the movie. I think I got it from the movie called um, The Help. If anyone's seen that, you'll know what I'm talking about. In the last scene... Oh, I can't remember the exact dialogue. I need to watch The Help again. Anyway, if you don't choose your life, life chooses for you. Now, this is a statement that's also, I think, grossly problematic. Because just like how I didn't choose growing up like near poverty... I also know what it's like to choose books over chasing, quote-unquote, I don't know, like adult things like relationships, sex, and drinking, you know, as a teenager. A lot of people out there live in homes or shelters or spaces where they don't have a choice. A lot of women in the world don't have a choice over their own bodies, like what's happening in Texas right now. A lot of children in the world have no choice when alcohol comforts a parent but damages and hurts them. A lot of black parents, especially mothers, have to train their boys as young as 11 years old how to not seem threatening to a grown white police officer who will easily get away with emptying a pistol in their bodies. I don't mean to be so violently descriptive, but I say all these things not to depress you or to compare struggles or to invalidate your own experience of struggle. It's rather with the idea, the intention to to help you, to, to motivate you to look for spaces in your life where you do have a choice and exercise that choice wisely and understand that when you have a choice, that it's a privilege to be able to exercise it. That got a little bit preachy. I am sorry. (laughs) But thank you. As always, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if you choose, please show me love by sharing this episode with a friend or giving it a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you hear my lovely voice through. (laughs) Always drink your water, do something kind for someone, and remember, walk around your home naked. Goodbye. Goodbye.